Nice Things. Hello, good evening and welcome to another fun-packed, thrill-filled edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living. Joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week we have... My name is Paul Carmichael, and this week I'm available on VHF, so I don't sound like long wave like last week. Apologies ah, for that. is it going to be Ooh. fixed, do we think? <clears throat> well, well, that was a fairly hefty burp, wasn't it? And it hasn't shown up on the computer here, so it should hefty be fine. Hefty burp? Hefty burp. Nothing's a tiddler. Hefty <laughs> <laughs> burp from a healthy lady. That's what we need. That's what we need, dear. Yes. Uh, I think mine's a bit hot, actually. Bit oh. hot over here, uh, okay. so I turned me down a wee bit. Okay. So then, hey, been a few mm. weeks, mate. It has for two weeks. Well, last week, what was the problem last week? Work. It was work. Mm. It was bloody work, wasn't it? Yes, and it's going to be a problem this week too, and for several weeks subsequently as well. Absolutely, yes. But we found time in our busy schedule to say hello to all the boys and girls and to well, exactly um, share yeah. with them the felicitations of the beautiful weather we're having. Isn't it lovely? Isn't it beautiful out there? And you're you're oh, planning yes. on doing the garden this weekend? Yes, the yard, and it's uh, it's more or less done. I re I I, I, repos- I I replaced some broken flags the other day. Right. Well, one has tenants in one's property for a few years, you know. They can't be trusted for the upkeep. Oh, no. Absolutely so, uh, not. I had, uh, I had to replace six flags the other day. Blimey. And it was like, well, broke, would be. broke well, stuff. They, no, they're right. all cracked and... Oh, yes, absolutely humped. Oh, right. But you feel okay. like a bloke for a bit after doing all that shit. Yeah. And then you go outside and there's blokes there and you're like, hmm. Oh, absolutely. Well, I ordered a picnic table. Right, mm. lovely, lovely wooden picnic table, beautiful thing. And um, there, there was a, there was a thing you could pay, which was if you want it, you know, you want them to actually put it up and make it. It's another right, thirty quid. And I thought, I'll do that, I'll do that. And I didn't get round to it. Anyway, it arrives yesterday uh, yeah. at about eight o'clock um, in the evening, um, delivered by an Eastern European gentleman with a very thick accent. Um, and eventually, when I directed him to the back of the property, it sort of becomes clear then that, of course, oh, I haven't paid that. And he refused to do it because I hadn't paid. Oh, you want, you change your mind? No, no, I just hadn't bothered to pay it yet. But I, he refused. Hang on a minute. Honest, you'd refused, yeah. you'd not paid for the item? No, I paid for the item, not yeah. for the actual construction of. And so he refused to do it? He refused to then well, construct Well, he would do. Well, doesn't have to, though, does he? Because now I've just got a pile of wood in the garden, and I've had a good look at it, and absolutely not. I'm not going near that. It's 30 huge. quid's a snip. Well, it is, absolutely. But on the other hand, when you, haven't, when you don't own a drill, as it turns out, which I assumed I'd have a drill. Everyone owns a drill. Mm, I've got two. Well, they, well, I've got... This is a ridiculous thing. This well, you is can like, loan one. Take it back on your little train under the water. Well, I wouldn't know what to do with this anyway. Oh, but... well, you should have paid the man. I bet it's well, not 30 I should, quid yes. for him to come back. Well, I know. Now I've got to get the separate man to come round and do it, because I'm not having, I don't know, uh, Tom Ash or whatever he was called coming back, just so he could be surly and give me an I can send my man again. over to you. Really? Mm. Is he anything like Malk? Because if he is, my house will be down by the end of the weekend. Mark, far superior. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, he is. Okay. Stuff like that. He's a dab hand. Okay, fair enough. And a listener, what? so be careful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Well, because no, I'm, getting, I'm getting a new shelf built. Um, mm. I could put one up. Well, I couldn't, actually. That's why I'm getting one built. Yes, so, but you're getting it done by an artisan. 
I am same chap who designed all the handmade shelves. So he's going to do a nice big shelf, which I have to have because unfortunately I've acquired more things. And for the first time this week, it was like I I can't move anything around to fit anything else anywhere. If I try no. and put this item somewhere, then the house will explode. Exactly. It's just yes. Stuffed. Too much. Well, you've got the look and learns that are. Uh been gifted to you. Well, now let's talk about these, shall we? Now, I've not look. got them all with me, because there's a fair few look and learn. Oh, there's only 200 of them. I know. Straight um, from my loft into your sitting room. Absolutely. How did you acquire these again, then? They were given to me by Richard. He, oh. uh, they were going to the tip, mm. and I was down at his place, and he's just like, oh, you collect old comics. What about mm. these? And I was like, oh, man. And I couldn't oh. let them go to the tip, so I drove back from Buckinghamshire with 200 in the boot. However, when mm. I was passing them on to you, yeah. I thought, uh, for some reason, the pile split in half when I carried yeah. them down from the loft. And I realised why they'd split in half. It's because there were a few errant other items in there which didn't fit the format. So naturally, with the law of gravity, or whatever you may say, uh, the pile sort of divided. And in there was a dandy summer special 1973 and a topper from 1974. Oh, lovely. Thank you very much. That'll do, won't it? Did you have those already or not? No. Oh. No. So nice. Providence provided me with some free comics. And Ooh. I thought, you can have the rest. Edward yeah. the Fourth's flagship. Oh yes, Edward the Fourth's flagship. It's magnificent. Now then, look and learn. Here's Edward the Fourth's flagship for those of you who are with us. Uh, oh well, there you go. Just a hand. Look at that. Now then, so yeah, I've only brought about seven or eight back with me. I think it's going to take me several years to transport them all. Um, yes. It's partly the reason I need a new bloody shelf as well. Um, but the your interim... wife's listening, isn't she? Oh, furious dear. But oh, they... does she know? That's why we uh, drop them in <laughs> work so that they can be brought piecemeal. <laughs> You just said there are fucking loads of <laughs> Anyway, there we go. Look at that. <laughs> so, Brilliant. quiz for children. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Now, you you obviously felt this was a little bit Protestant. It's very Protestant. Uh, that is the sort of knowledge that was kept from Catholics for 300 years. Absolutely. The for world the is right round, mother, mother. The world's round. <laughs> and it seems to have gone on for a fair old while. Because let's see, we've got... This is... Oh, look at this. Look at this. A great big hairy rhino on the front. That's what you want. This Ancestor is, um, of the rhinoceros. That's it. So, this is issue number 148 from the 14th of November, 1964. So, that must have been going for, what, since about 61? Till we got to that point? There's some in there going back to 1960. What I like about the very early copies, because it was obviously going prior to that, are Look and Learn Incorporating Ranger. So, there'd been another magazine called Ranger mm. that had obviously folded and gone you know great news inside for all readers one of them things do you think that one was do you think it was cowboys or do you think it was football no idea i don't know anything about ranger i don't know anything about that is that a what is it odom's press or it won't be ipc in the 60s who's the publisher uh, should be on the back at the on the very bottom yeah i'm looking at on the back at the bottom uh no Okay. No, it doesn't doesn't say. There's a lovely advert for Philips Electricals. Uh, is it near the front? Let's have a look. Oh, here we are. Um, Fleetway. Fleetway. So it was IPC. There we are. Fleetway Publications. But it, it's a it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? And yes, it is. It's jolly educational. It's a bit like if you come across a 1970s Blue Peter. Or exactly that. Is, it's basically the equivalent of a good telling off. Which mm. I, I wrote. This is telling off in a comic form. This front page is just a general knowledge quiz. I swear to God, this is like the entrance exam to Oxford. It is. So, um, uh, 
I mean, oh, what's this? So, um, this white horse will go down in sporting history. Do you know what the occasion was and when? And it's just a perfectly normal horse. So let's have a look. The white horse... The 1923 Cup final at Wembley, when West Ham were beaten by Bolton Wanderers 2-0. So many people tried to get into the stadium, they overflowed onto the pitch. In those days, the full capacity of the ground was about 110,000, but a quarter of a million people surged in. <laughs> in Gates old Wembley. And, yeah, gates and turnstiles were smashed and the players stood around waiting for the police to clear a space. George V was present, um, and he asked for the match to proceed anyway. As you, you would. Well, as you... children know. As every, as any schoolboy knows. Yeah. You know, the 1923 Cup final. Yes. It's, it's, it's just... Abs- Absolutely wonderful there's stuff. There's one of them where it's like, make your own weather station. Oh, yes. Uh, there's there's another one which... Well, there's obviously... There's make your own crystal radio set, I've found. Yeah. I swear I saw the word generator. And I thought, what, make your own generator? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. Um, this one's very niche. I mean, this is, who was in command at various oh, no. battles? So, um, Mike, choose a number between one and six. 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 Okay, you ready? Yeah. Um, quotation. Take away these baubles. Whose imperious command was this? I'd say Cromwell. I would say Cromwell. Oliver Cromwell. Yeah. yeah. It was his way of ending the long parliament, which first met on November the 3rd, 1640. Yes, one out of six. Oh, there you Let's go. Let's have number two. Number two. Uh, okay. Um, here is the mighty Persian army in full flight. Who is leading the attack? Persia. Uh, Think Persia. Uh, Attila the Hun? Oh, I knew... Oh, Genghis Khan. No, no, no. Bit friendlier. Mm. Bit friendlier. Elephants. Oh, Hannibal. I've said the wrong thing. No, it's not elephants <laughs> at all. <laughs> Alexander the Great. Have you ever seen who? Alexander the Great. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, he, he's he's been treated kindly by history, but you can guarantee he was a bastard as well. Alexander the Great? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, everyone in history seems to have been a bastard in some way. I, I was reading this week about... Um, you don't get to be the great by being nice. Oh, God, no. Absolutely no. not. And but Catherine he's portrayed in statues, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Isn't and he the one imperious. with the, the hand behind the head and the one arm up? That's it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Catherine the Great became great for having sex with horses, if you believe the propaganda. Well, that was what that was what the anti-Catherine propaganda went with was. Uh, I mean, obviously these days we're quite used to the you know the papers are quite clever when it comes to smearing people they don't like. But yes. then it was just sex with horses. Yeah, and it that worked. Will do. It worked. Um, but no, I was reading this week because I, I was thinking I'd like to go away soon, you know, have a little break. And I was thinking Rome because um because of the Colosseum. Mm. And I, I really want to go I've, I've not been yet and I really want to go there to walk uh, through the hypogeum you know the underfloor mm. bit in the middle where all the workings are. Yeah. Um and I think it's partly for two reasons partly because it would be fascinating to see where the trap doors were right because they they had spring loaded trap doors. Now I didn't know this. I love this. You get this idea that they used to unleash the tigers and the tigers had flood out. It's not quite true. They had lifts, which were sort of like really spring-loaded, which go poof, and you'd put a tiger 
on one of the lifts, set it off, and the tiger would go poof into the air and land next to you. It go they about nine foot in the air. A tiger would go and then land. Well, they I wouldn't mean, have had springs. What would that have been? Some kind of tension, like a uh, what's that? Ro- a trebuchet. Yeah, uh, which is the cut. other thing. Yeah, now and the reason we know they've got trebuchets is also to do with that, of course, because uh, I was reading about one of the plays uh, that would have been staged, right? story of Icarus goes up to the sun and melts his wings and falls down, okay? What they used to do, and this is phenomenal, is they'd get a condemned man in to play Icarus, right? they put him in a trebuchet, and then they'd just go, poof, and they'd just launch him across the Colosseum so he'd splat into a wall. And that was Icarus. Brilliant. Imagine that being loaded And everyone on a cheered. Everyone cheered. Everyone Absolutely. cheered. Imagine that being loaded onto a trebuchet and oh, Jesus, it's like going into work. Pretty much, yeah, it is rather. Well, speaking it? of of ruins mm. and the ancient world, brings yes. me to one of the uh, nice things of the week, yes. which is the Lotus Eaters. Ah, you persuaded me to. You, yes, you persuaded me to invest in this. I did. Um, so to give a little bit of back history, so the, the Lotus Eaters is a BBC drama, 1972 and 73. Nine episodes in the first, six episodes in the second series. Mm. And it's uh, all filmed uh, on the island of Crete in uh, Agios Nikolos, which is beautiful. I, I have been there. I, I went there because of the Lotus Eaters. Mm. It's a beautiful place. And this is your first time watching Ian yeah, yeah. What I have, have to say, what the first series. Well, I mean, it's a it's a plodder. The mm. first series and the second series are very different animals. Mm. Mm. So the first series is quite plodding. Yeah. Um, that boring couple that are in it, the hippie and the girl out of the brothers. Oh yes, they're just boring. Um, <laughs> the the American couple that are in it, the. So I think it suffers from underwriting. Okay. I, I do because there's it's obvious what the writer's capable of because there are some scenes in it mm. that are have got some exquisite dialogue in it. Yeah. A, a really, you know, the guy had obviously read his classics and so I know that a few stories are mirroring things. That's obvious. Yeah. Um it's a weird one. And there's a peculiar strain, an identity if you like, of the BBC that's very apparent, particularly in the seventies. Mm. Were the kind of um, how 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 to describe it because it's unique. Mm. So there's this whole notion, this sort of we've joined the common market, or maybe we hadn't in '72. Um, so maybe it was a case of we're getting people used to the idea of being part of a a a, a continent as opposed to being England. I think there's yeah, a yeah, yeah, I yeah. think there's potentially a sort of a, um, maybe there's a an agenda going on. Uh, not in any kind of nefarious way, but a lot of people who are enthusiastic because they've had holidays in Europe, they've experienced Europe, they've had all the new... And they're like, this is amazing. Mm. We have to turn people on to this. In the same way that Demis Roussos describes how his popularity just coincided with Brits going abroad and stuff like that. And so his music became amazingly popular because people wanted that sort of romantic-y you know, uh, European sounding flavour. I think the 70s there's a lot of different obvious cultural shifts but one of them is toward a sort of European identity Hmm. and so you add series, I I think this is the first of them but I'm probably wrong so with the Lotus Eaters I can see that as a kind of progenitor of things like Bergerac and Hmm. things like that which are kind of like 
they're in my consciousness because they were around me growing up and there's a whole yeah, pa- yeah. patina of of sort of shimmering sea and coastlines and intrigue and stuff like that so i think it was probably somewhat quite new um and so it's for that very patina that i'm drawn to it mm. you know it's like it is rubbish it is absolute rubbish a lot a lot <laughs> of it not all of it and right. i'll tell i'll tell you what really saves it Okay. Um, so it's that pattern of that fondness that I suppose people of our generation have for this European thing, because mm. it must have, it must have been great if you were around then. You've been through wars and stuff like that, and all of a sudden Europe is no longer this grey, barren wasteland that's mm. soaked in blood. It's like nice and it's friendly and. You know, it's it's shimmering seas and all them other things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm drawn to that for a kickoff. I think they should have repeated it during the referendum. <laughs> People have just been like that. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Stay. Let's stay. Let's yes. stay. Um, so. It's an interesting one because I think, well, yeah, the whole sort of thing of, of filming abroad obviously becomes much more of a thing late 60s, early 70s because it just becomes cheaper. Mm. Um, so I think, well, Crossroads does it in 1967. Crossroads went off to Tunisia. Uh, and shot out there for a week, little crossroads. Um, the whole cast went out there, uh, apart from one member who had to stay back in the studio and just do fake phone calls saying, no, they're not back yet. Imagine being Jane Rossington. So, oh, no, Jane, you can stay in Birmingham. Yeah. Thanks. No shimmering seas for you, Jane. No, no, none for you, Jane. So you, you get that. And then, of course, you get 69, I think 1969 is when Paul Temple... Um, starts on the BBC as a TV series, and that really does make you realise. Like, my knickers are hanging on the on my backdrop, dear. I'm drying drying ah. underwear. Oh, um, nice. Dead man's go. underwear. Oh, no, mine, mine. No, Very no, old no. though. Um, alive and kicking. Alive and kicking underwear. Ripe. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, with Paul Temple, then you you get. I think. The majority of the stories have some sort of overseas filming. But with the Lotus Eaters, all it seems to be is that Michael J. Bird, the writer, went to Crete, really liked it, and thought, how can I stay here and get paid? And well, originally he was set, he set it in Spain, mm. and then and then he goes to Crete. Yeah, and suddenly... And he's like, and, and he's right, because, I mean, if you'd have gone to Spain, I think you would have got something probably more like El Dorado was meant to be. I think you would have well, got an Well, El Dorado, again, is part of this continuum of well, sort is... of nice Europeaniness, And it's fascinating, isn't it, with what you said before, because I genuinely believe, in, not in the same way that I believe Paul McCartney died in 1967, but I genuinely do believe that if El Dorado was still on, if they hadn't cancelled it in 93, we would still be in the EU. I genuinely... Th- I know, I know, I know. Right, okay. No, I saw the laugh. Right, I will it's explain. It's rubbish. I'm never it's... buying that. How is that rubbish? Because it's cack. Let's no. let's hold that thought for a minute. Hold the Yeldorado thought for a minute, because I've right. not finished. I've I've been a little bit damning thus far. You have actually, yes. And I want to tell you why it's still magnificent. Okay, so obviously Ian Hendry, even with a lump on his back, Ian Hendry, yep, um, is 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 almost like he's almost um, anachronism in the mm. way he acts. Yeah. There's a lot going on with the uh, acting, though, which was too big for TV. But because of him, he was never really that successful in film. He could have been a lot more successful. But that's one thing. Wanda Ventham is mm. fantastic. However, mm. however, yeah. the real 
star of it for me. I think you know who I'm going to say. I think I do. Go on. I can't pronounce this or remember it right now. Isn't but Michael... it uh, Karaskis? Yes, that's it, yeah. Yes, yes. He, when, when it finds its beat, mm. no pun intended, mm. is when they realise that it should all revolve around his sort of protectorate, yes. if you like. And what yeah. I like about him is, when he's a copper, he's uh. got the shades on. Mm. And when he's, you know, Eric's friend, the shades come off. Yes. Have you noticed that? I have, actually, yeah. And, and he does it literally thing. in a conversation. They go on when he's a copper, and mm. they come off when he's... Speaking yeah. as your friend, Eric. Mm. You know, so there's lovely. Um, so and I'll tell you series. what, you know, that, that is very, uh, that's very familiar, because if you ever do fly into Greece, obviously, when we fly, you know, they're, they're checking your shoes because one mad person put some Semtex in his soul once, and they're doing all that sort of stuff. And they're bastards, I have to say. The way they treat you going through security, it's just designed to make you feel intimidated, yeah. obviously, so they can throw things out. What's this? It's me nan's ashes. Can't go on the plane. Drop. Um, that sort of thing. Yeah. Then you get to Crete. They don't give a shit. And that includes when you when you fly to come back. You know, you think, okay, let's get ready. Shall I take my belt off? No, I threw your girl. They don't care. They really, no. which I love, and it's got that attitude. They aren't. They aren't het up. They're not frustrated. They're not all over the place. You know, they actually, yeah, they they are basically like they are in. Well, the they make it more sense. community when it revolves around him, mm. um, Stefan Griff, mm. who um, plays. Uh, Karaskis. Yeah. So, so they start making it more parochial when he, and that obviously becomes apparent, I think, towards the end of the first series, mm. when he comes into it more. The yeah. second series, though, which I started last night, yes. is just like very different. It's far better. They've got a strong narrative running through it, mm. um, and it's more like European art house cinema. It's it's really really different and really strange. That scene with. Uh, uh, Nesta, mm. where he's on the merry-go-round. Yes, you know it's like uh, what is it? Death in Venice, mm. or Absolutely. something like that. It, it, they've got you... loads of stuff in that Greek director. Uh, well, you've got that lovely thing as well, where you've got Wanda having a nightmare on the beach. That's seen? who I'm on about that oh. Greek director. Now, yeah, now that's lovely, and uh, the way that they create that shimmering effect on screen—it's lovely. It's sort of like wobbling away. Is Mirrolon, which they used uh, in Doctor Who. If if someone got killed by an ice warrior, they'd use Mirrolon, which is basically a mirror, but you it's like fabric. It feels like fabric, but it's mm. perfectly mirrored. And all you have to do on the back is just prod it with your finger, and the whole thing shimmers. So mm. over to Crete they go with a load of Mirrolon. I love that. But I think the second series of it does feel technically more advanced and that's one of the lovely things of watching television for this from this era isn't it you do get the fact that 1972's techniques and 1973's are very different mm. and 74's and 75's because the technology is changing noticeably whereas now i think it's it's sort of more more gradual you know we're just used to things looking perfect yeah so what they just get a bit more perfect it's like do you want it in hd brilliant yes please do you want it yeah. in 4k i don't know if i'll mm. notice the difference yeah. really it's yeah. just more perfect. But back well, the then, human eye can't noticeable. discern with 4K. No. It can't what's discern above a certain level, and I can't think what that is. So what's but the point? But I'm looking forward to seeing the end, mm. Um, mm. and I do enjoy watching it. It's very good. Oh, it's yes. very good. Mm. But obviously, there's it's underwritten in parts. Mm. The second series is completely 
I think I've not spotted anything underwritten. And John Savident as a as a Greek um, intelligence officer, yeah. who was like, "What is it? You know, I myself occasionally smoke hashish." Yeah, you have no with the wonderful Godfrey James. Yes, who oh, I still yes. remember, and I spent half an hour last night going through my edits. Like, I will not Google. I will not Google. I will mm-hmm. not Google. I will remember the character he played in Emmerdale in 1983, and I did Harry Molem. Oh, I can't believe that that's in there. I know it's it's mad, isn't it? And my brain's still capable of. Uh, he was an armed robber, I think. It With was a name a like that, yeah, you w- yeah. one would assume so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very so, racy um, for Emmerdale Farm to have an armed robber in the early 80s. That's quite... Well, he was quite, killed, wasn't he, ultimately? I think so, yeah. Mm, yeah. But that would yeah. have been a massive storyline. These days, that's just Tuesday's episode. Don't, I don't like yeah. Emmerdale now. No. no. It's cack. Since they stopped it's calling it cack. farm. Don't so like the Lotus Eaters, I would recommend people buy. Mm. It cost me 34 quid for the two. There you go. Um, would, uh, and are yours both... Uh, British versions because I had to get the Australian series. No, mine are British versions. Lovely. Okay. Um, um, Savident's a brilliant actor, isn't he? He's one of those people who can't give a scaled down performance, can he? He's just incapable. And talking of people who can't give a performance that's in any way scaled down, in comes ah, one of my purchases this week. Here we are. Robert Hardy's oh. in full flow, eh? Oh, Robert Hardy is absolutely in full flow. Um, yeah. The old Creatures Great and Small box set. As well. You see, you convinced me to buy that, in a yes, way, because you got mine got here. It. There you go. Yes. You yes. bought it, and I was like, no, I shall have it then. So, there it we are. It is good. I mean, to be quite honest with you, the first two series and that mm. special, Merry Gentleman, mm. um, there's something it captures that the rest of it fail to to be honest with you when it comes back in i think 87 uh-huh. without carol Drinkwater mm. and the original housekeeper uh the original actress who played the housekeeper mrs hall i can't remember her name it comes back with gene haywood who's mm. um mrs seaton the matriarch in yeah. when the boat comes in but that's gene, it yeah that's it thank gene, you and okay. gene haywood was magnificent mm absolutely brilliant but for some reason the woman playing mrs hall in the original ones i don't know she doesn't even seem like an actor but she probably was because she had the gig but there just seems like she just seems to have grown out of uh, i think it's skeldale house they all live in Uh, i think that's where the farnans practice is well you've got so many actors of course who could just turn it on because they'd done rep yeah so if you said to her yorkshire housekeeper you, she'll just she's oh, yeah. brilliant. That's in the bank. I can just do that. Yeah, yeah. But but, but Robert Hardy's totally. hit his shouty best in this series. I mean, it's weird, isn't it? Because you've got sort of Hardy, who's quite restrained in the stalls of Barchester, mm. uh, and even in the incredible Robert Baldick, which Big yeah. Finish should make yeah. a series of. He's still quite restrained. By the time of all creatures, the diaphragms are rattling on the mics. He's mm. so shouty. Yeah. He's brilliant. He is, isn't he? He's fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. John Nathan Turner's dog was the only dog uh, that would sit next to him when they were uh, doing studio stuff. The others would bugger off. John right. Nathan Turner's dog, Pepsi, apparently would sit there and just look at him. Uh, there you go. Dogs, dogs! As yeah. he runs out the door. Yes. 
Oh, it's a great series. I'm very glad that I've got that. That's I mean, how many? What are we talking about? We're talking about all 89 episodes. All 89 episodes. There were 51, what? I think, of Bolt comes in, which I chewed through in about three weeks. Yes, and this is well. You see, again, thanks to you. So when the boat comes in, that is I've, brilliant, though. It's stunning. It is superb. I'm having to have a huge reappraisal of our friend James Boland. Oh, he's magnificent. Who I've never been that exposed to. I mean, I I didn't see The Lightly Lads. I didn't see repeats of The Lightly Lads. I read about him being a bit of an interesting chap. Um, Mm. And then I saw The Lightly Lads, and I suppose because he does it so well... You can see that you can see the acting with Buse in the Lightly Lads. You can see the timing. Oh, you God, can see the yeah. thought. Boland, it just feels like they've just gone. Come here, canny boy. Pop yeah. this hat on on telly. But that's his skill. Seems it's like he's doing stunning. nothing. Yeah, and but it's what the I same, love. A- same with this, isn't it? It feels like he's doing nothing. But God Almighty, like Hendry, it's all going on. It's oh, all going superb. on. He's superb, yeah. and he's totally believable. Mm, oh yeah, as Jack absolutely. Ford. I mean, what I love about it, if you look at his career, it's like, so, Bolt comes in. He's doing Bolt comes in, but he's also doing Only When I Laugh. Mm-hmm. You know? So he's still managing to do that. And as Figgis in Only yeah. When I Laugh, he's completely, he, he's almost shrewish. He's a coward. He's conniving. He's this, he's that. Whereas as Jack, mm. he's just, he's totally like the alpha. And he is... Um, He's he's sat at the top of the pyramid pulling everybody's strings, mm. you know. Oh yeah, it's a it's a brilliant, but it's a brilliant uh, series for uh, the, who plays the dad. Um, the dad, Ronson James Garbutt. J- he is brilliant. Oh I, I don't know how the man has made his head a different shape from other things I've seen him in, but he looks like he's permanently exasperated with a like, Thing oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, just ch- it changes the shape of his head. It's not that yeah, shape when you watch yeah. him as Ronson or something. It's like, how are you doing but, that? But it's weird because in 1978, after the first three series ended, BBC Two repeat, did a repeat season. Mm. And out of the first two seasons, they only repeated the James Mitchell episodes, right. which I find odd. But That is odd. Okay. They are the best written. Are there more of them? It depends, really. Um... I'm Depends just wondering if it's contractual, season. you know, that something to do with repeats with residual payments. It could be something like that. So his contract, because he's the creator of the show. Yeah. So it could be something like that. It's a bit like um, Terry Nation, um, who uh, had it in his contract that he would write always the first and the last episode of any series he created or be given the option to, because his view was, well, if they're going to do a repeat, they've got to show the first one or the last one. So I'll Yeah, get money, well, Mitchell you know. certainly does that in the first two seasons. Mm. Have you watched uh, one of his greatest scripts? Have you watched Fishing Woolly Jumpers yet? No, I haven't got to that yet. Where they go stealing sheep? Yes, I have. Oh! Isn't it fantastic, that it's one? It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. It's oh. a great episode. It nails all the colours to the mast of every character. It really does. And that's the one where he's basically threatening his brother-in-law. But what? my God, it's just believable. And you would just go, okay, James, sorry, James. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't argue with him. Yeah, it's it's, it's fantastic. It's a great script. There's so many good scripts in it. In the first one, when uh, you have the Liberal MP, where they all line up and throw the medals on throw the ground. Throw the medals on the ground. That definitely happened. Oh, yeah. That, that happened. 
that <coughs> yeah, happen. That will, but I you've got post- all the stuff about Mamansk coming in, where obviously he was a counter-revolutionary after the war. Mm. And you have a, a, a medal. I think it's called a medal for... No, I don't know what it is. I think it's a medal for Paddy Boyle. It's not. Anyway, have you got that one yet? No, not where, that one. Where Paddy Boyle turns back up and uh, it's the Black and Tans no, who no, were fighting the that. IRA. No, no. Not so there, you've yes. got this this whole sort of... They bring in a lot of the World War One. Uh, post World War One, because I mean, World War One for us growing up was all dulce et decorum est, and mm. uh, you know it was all glory and it was all you know the old pals and all that business. But yeah. what they bring in is what actually happened to them blokes who survived and come back. Mm. And it was options like, well, what am I going to do now? Well, come and fight the count, uh, you know, come and uh, fight against the Reds in Russia in Murmansk. Because mm, you've then, got the, you've got the one where he uh, has to um, defend the person who's gone to court, who's got a severe shell shock, yeah, um, and then attacks a child with a stick, yeah, uh, because of it. That's so well acted. The, oh, yeah. the bloke, the bloke who has the nervous breakdown. I don't know the actor's name, but like so many actors, they'll get a couple of little dramas a year, but they'll go in there and they'll just shine because they're brilliant. Yeah, his performance is so devastatingly believable oh and the and the poverty and everything because you know she's getting no pension for her mm. shell-shocked husband mm. you know because there's some tech oh he was on leave or something when he yeah when it happened or something like that i can't yeah, remember like it's that. all it's... those fine details that mitchell's brilliant at Stunning. absolutely brilliant it's it's so good mm. i mean the that's a purchase you have to make uh, yeah, and as we've discovered recently, if you go along to Sex C E X, don't be dirty. Uh, they've got a they've got a delivery uh, thing. So you, any any sex shop in the country, ah, uh, uh, you can go into them, uh, and they might have when the boat comes in up in Dundee, and they'll just send it down. Uh, so I think mine was twelve quid. I think. Yeah, mine's got a bit of sort of damage to it, and all the discs were in the wrong order. Which, because it's uh, what's the company again? Is it Acorn? Uh, Acorn, this is yeah. So each disc is just labelled disc one because they were originally little sets they brought out. That's so right. Yeah. Everything's disc one, disc two, disc one, disc two, disc, and there's no bloody. So all all them all of my discs was out of order so I had to sit there with the episode guide put them in order it's a minor niggle if you buy it on uh, Amazon it's still disc 1 disc 2 disc 1 disc 2 it's yeah but you want to make sure you're watching them in the right order no no I haven't got around to actually putting them in the correct order yet mine was like that but I will that's a a nice little job for the weekend I shall enjoy that actually it is between Uh, work between work and staring at a picnic table that I don't wish to do anything with absolutely not no but you've got to uh, you've got to buy when the boat comes in, listeners and viewers. You've got you to. Really it is to. absolutely stunning. It's very addictive, though. Mm. Oh, oh, yeah. You can do a absolutely couple in a go. Addictive. Or yeah. four or five in a go in your case. You what, mate? Four or five in a go in your case, wasn't it? You hammered through those. I'm afraid so. I'm afraid so. I, everything got pushed to one side. It was just like, no, I'm off to Galashiel in 1919. Yeah. Not you know, a bad place to go. It's not a bad place. Yeah. So uh, no no purchases uh, awaiting you? Have you now bought everything, do you think? I have bought everything, but I'm going to save uh, some bits because we're going to just do half an hour-ish here, aren't we? Oh, and we are, yeah. another half an hour-ish. Then we'll do another one for so you. We've got to get to 100 very quickly. Yes, we do. We need yes, to. We do. Yes, we do. So, So is that enough for this one? That's enough for this one. There you go. That's your lot. There we go. Okay, then. So we'll see you in a couple of days' time. Mm-hmm. And until then, we hope you all enjoy the sunshine. And if you've got a wooden bench to put up, pay the guy 30 quid. 
Don't be like Carmichael. I was going to pay... I just... Anyway, it doesn't matter. I was going to pay the man on the door. Uh, You're not raffles. Hand. I see nothing wrong with this. What are uh, you, all your PayPal bollocks? No. No, it's all like got to John be documented. Like John brown envelope. There you go. That's all you no, need. No, it don't work like that. Oh, no. That's sad. Well, that's enough for now. So, until the next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production.